0: have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to join me in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. As you're making your way there, before I jump into the meat of the word this morning, those of you who have come today for the very first time or those of you who've been part of the family and maybe you missed last week our coronating service, the room looks a little bit different. The name is a little bit different than maybe when uh, you recognized it or remembered it. We officially changed our name last week from Freedom Church to Antioch Church, and we'll spend a good number of weeks here in the months to come explaining exactly uh, who we are as a people and making that vision very, very clear. The thing that I marvel at is how the Lord, for the past three and a half years, has walked us through and worked us through a process by which we actually have become the name before we ever changed the name. Because names reflect identity and we have been walking in and moving in that identity before we ever changed the label of our name. So I'm thrilled, I'm excited in my heart. One of the things that we addressed this morning in pre-service prayer uh, that I just wanna speak from my heart for a few minutes is the necessity of learning how to walk by the Spirit. The scripture says that those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So as sons and daughters of God, you have the unique privilege of being able to hear from God's spirit like no one else does who does not have God's spirit inside of them. Which allows us to not be moved and not be shaken in the midst of circumstances that are around us because our spirit can receive orders from headquarters Our spirit can receive comfort and encouragement and direction and purpose from God's spirit regardless of what's happening around us. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You are sons and daughters of God. If you've made the decision to receive Christ into your spirit, you became a son and a daughter of God. According to John chapter one, verse 12, you received the right of sonship. You received the privilege of being in the family of God. That means your spirit man is now alive It's been activated, and now you can hear and commune directly with God. Very, very important. The other thing that was in my heart this morning before I get into our our, our message today is, I feel like today is a day where new decisions for new habits can be made. New decisions for new habits. You know, his mercy, Scripture says in Psalm 23, his mercy is new every morning. Isn't it great to know that no matter how you woke up this morning, that any time during your day, you can choose to make a spirit decision and change the direction of your day. At any point during this day, it doesn't matter what side of the bed you woke up on. It doesn't matter how many times you hit snooze It doesn't matter uh, what kind of argument you got into with your wife or with your husband or with your children. At any point during this day, you can stop and say, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And I choose to partner with God's Spirit right now. And I choose to make it a great day. You can choose new decisions at any moment of your day. Today is a day for you to choose new habits. So that you can be positioned and prepared for new assignments. My assignment this morning is very simple. I want to begin the journey and begin the process of aligning us to a corporate vision that gives us great clarity and it also gives us great strength as we move forward together. Our foundational text for who we are as Antioch Church, are Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 13, we'll be waiting and walking through those in the weeks to come. But I, I, I feel compelled this morning to begin in, Acts or in Ephesians chapter 4. So turn with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 4, and this morning, I have a clarion call to clarify our assignment, beginning in verse 11. Scripture says, it was he, referring to Jesus, who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built. Let's just stop right there. The the reason why we have ministry gifts, the reason why I have a unique assignment and responsibility, and those that share in that, the reason why we exist is very, very simple. Our reason for existence is to do two things. Our existence as a house falls on these two things, and it's very, very clear as we look through Ephesians four, eleven through 16. Number one, our responsibility is to establish you in your identity. And if you're writing notes, which I encourage you to do, next to that phrase, establish you in your identity, I want you to write the word sonship. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to define that in such a manner that you're going to know exactly what we mean when we use the word sonship. You're going to know exactly what that means, and you're going to be able to connect your faith and connect your spirit to be able to walk in a greater measure of the revelation and the spirit of sonship than you ever have before. Establishing you in your identity, helping you to discover and to develop who it is exactly that you are. If you were here a few weeks ago when Apostle Alamu Beeftu shared with us, He talked about the fact that we can never walk in our prophetic destiny, which I'll also use the word assignment. You can never walk in your prophetic destiny. The reason why God puts you on the earth outside of understanding your identity, your authority comes from your identity. God releases authority to sons and daughters. He does not release his authority to servants or slaves or orphans. He gives authority to sons who have submitted their hearts to the Father. To the degree that you grow in your identity, to that degree, you can be trusted with authority. In fact, when you give authority to someone who doesn't know their identity, their insecurity will kick in. When you entrust great measures of authority and power to those who are not rooted and grounded in an identity that is outside of their performance, that is outside of their value system being based on what they do, they will ultimately abuse the authority and the power that's been given to them. Identity is critical for trust of authority. Our assignment in this house is to help establish you in your identity. Our assignment in this house is to help raise up the strongest army of sons and daughters that the world has ever seen. Rooted and grounded in the love of the Father. Drawing our security, drawing our value, drawing our worth, drawing our affirmation from nothing and no one else but the continual voice of love that comes from our Father that establishes us with great security. I'm telling you, when you begin to walk in the spirit of sonship, it liberates you and frees you in a way that you have never, ever experienced before. In fact, I would, I would say that the assignment and the fruit of every apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, to some degree, is to help sons and daughters become greater sons and daughters let's look at verse 12. The reason why these fivefold offices have been given is to prepare God's people. Let's just pause right there. The word prepare is a word, and I referenced this last week. Other translations use the word equip. Now, I would say unto you that it would be impossible to truly equip you for assignment if you've not matured in your identity. I think about the many colleges, you know, universities and colleges are created with the purpose of equipping people for their assignment. It may or may not be necessarily a kingdom assignment. They're doing it from a secular standpoint, but the reason why universities exist is to equip people for an assignment in the earth to prepare them for a career. But I think about how many sons and daughters are being shipped off and sent off to universities who have not been established and mature in their identity. Why is it that we have a generation that is abandoning their moorings when they go to college? I would venture to say and submit to you it's because they've not been established in their identity as sons and daughters. And so consequently when they begin interacting with new associations and new ideas and new philosophies and new mindsets, they abandon a foundation of faith that was put into them because they've not been deeply rooted in an identity of sons and daughters. We see this in the book of Daniel chapter one. Daniel, who was a son who was shipped off to the land of Babylon, scripture says that he was sent there for a particular assignment to be trained in the language and the literature of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. How many of you tracking with me right now? Babylon um, was the country that the children of Israel were brought into captivity under. And in the book of Daniel chapter one, we see that Daniel comes on the scene scripture says that he was a man of an excellent spirit scripture says that he was learned in the language and the literature of the babylonian people and then there was a particular test that came to him and the test was a test of his sonship because in a moment of testing when the king said i want these sons of israel to now begin to participate with our culture. I want these sons of Israel to begin to eat of the royal food and the meats that were sacrificed to idols. And here's what Daniel said. Daniel said, I have chosen and I have decided that I will not defile my spirit. I have made a definitive choice in the midst of this place that I will not defile myself. That decision was coming out of his sonship. That decision came out of years of being established fully and firmly in his identity so that when he was in preparation for his assignment, he would not waver. He could stand firm in conviction because his identity in Christ was so strong that when temptation came to him, he didn't have to waver, even though it might determine his place in the kingdom. Are you hearing me this morning? Our responsibility is to help establish you in your maturity as sons and daughters. It is to come around you. It is to pray with you. It is to teach you. It is to train you. It is to cry out for the spirit of revelation because as we said last week, I'm going to just be repeating a lot of things here just so you guys know. As we said last week in Matthew chapter 16, your identity is not revealed to you by flesh and blood. I could speak and preach with all of my passion and the full anointing of God for a year straight about the spirit of sonship, but unless you're partnering with God's spirit to ask for that revelation of sonship, it will never come to you. I'm reminded in the book by Jack Frost from Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, one of the most renowned Bible teachers on the earth, Derek Prince, shares a story in there, where in the latter years of his life, he said that he came unto an understanding of the spirit of sonship. Friends, your knowledge, your intellect, your understanding of the Bible are no substitute for your being established in the full love of the Father as sons and daughters. We have many people who know many things about the Bible, but are devoid of the affirmation and the strength that comes from knowing without a shadow of a doubt that they are deeply loved by the Father, and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that they truly are sons and daughters of God, and nothing will ever change that. Our responsibility is to establish you in your sonship and your identity. Let's keep reading through this verse. In verse 12, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have been given to prepare God's people for works of service. Let's go back to the word prepare, equip. The word there, equip, katartismos, means to bring something into alignment. It means to mend something. That Greek word means when something is out of place, it does not function the way that it could function or should function. How many of you have ever had that? Maybe uh, you weekend warriors went out there and tried to play a game of basketball and realized that you're not 21 anymore, yeah, that, that, that a lot happens in 20 to 30 years uh, from the time that you were young and agile and nimble. And I remember just a few years ago when I went out to go play golf, uh, throwing my back out, just warming up, and I thought, This should not be happening at 32 years old. Things getting out of alignment. You know, when things get out of alignment, they don't function with the full measure and capacity of strength. They're not as effective as they could be. You find yourself not as agile, flexible, or strong to accomplish certain tasks when things in your body are out of alignment. The word there for equip means to put something back into alignment so that it can function wholly. The word there equip also means to outfit a soldier for an assignment. So my responsibility and the responsibility of the people that come in to help lead, the elders in this house, the apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic teaching and pastor gifts, our responsibility is to so uh, train and develop and pour into your life that you find yourself into alignment with your identity in God. Because when you're in that alignment of, of identity, when you're in alignment in that position of security, you find yourself more effective you find yourself more fluid. You find yourself more strong to accomplish the things of God. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have been given to equip God's people. The word there is hagias, which means saints. We cannot walk as saints outside of our sonship. I could also translate that, that we have been called to prepare God's children that we have been called to equip, outfit, prepare, strengthen, complete, and bring into alignment God's sons and daughters. Now watch this, verse 12. For their work of service. Everybody say, I have a work of service. You have a kingdom assignment. And that brings me to the second reason why we exist as a house. Not only do we exist to establish you in your identity, parenthesis, sonship, But we exist to equip you for your assignment. And next to that, I want you to write the word kingdom. We exist to establish you in your identity, sonship, and to equip you for your assignment. The word here in the scriptures where it says to equip his people for works of service. The word work is the word ergon. It's a very fascinating word in the original language. It's the same word that's used in John chapter four. Looking at the verses 30 through 34, how many of you remember the story when Jesus in the beginning of John chapter four was sitting at a well with a lady who was of Samaritan origin and they're having a conversation. She ends up leaving that conversation and going and talking to the town. His disciples go out to go grab some food because they were hungry. And beginning in verse 30, when they come back, they say to Jesus, hey, we've got food for you. Aren't you hungry? And then Jesus responds and he says, I have a food that you know not of. And this is what he says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Let's just stop right there there is a sustenance, there is a strength, there is a satisfaction that comes from doing God's will that doesn't come from doing anything else. No matter how hard, laborious, or tiresome it may be, no matter how many hours you invest into it, when you find yourself touching your kingdom assignment, it is a food, it is a food, it is a strength to your very spirit. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Inside of you is programmed a desire to find your assignment in the kingdom. Inside of you, you are longing to find your assignment in the kingdom. And I would submit to you that every day is training day for that assignment. And every day is an opportunity to grow in your kingdom assignment. And every day is an opportunity for you to touch your kingdom assignment on the earth. Everything that God puts around you from learning how to manage your time to your finances to the way you speak to your children to the way that you cultivate your marriage is speaking into your kingdom assignment. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his ergon work. To finish my work. Jesus was saying that my assignment on the earth is to find out God's kingdom assignment and to give myself to it and to finish it. The word here, work, is also the same word that we find in Acts chapter 13, in verse two. Why don't you turn there with me? Acts chapter 13, verse two, which again, referencing our foundational passages of Antioch Church in Acts chapter 13, we begin this chapter with, what I'm going to call the apostolic and prophetic council of the church of Antioch gathering together in the place of worship and prayer. And it's in the place of worship and prayer that they hear the voice of God. It is in the place of worship and prayer that you hear the voice of God. It is in the place of creating an atmosphere where heaven can invade earth. It is in the place where we are fasting and consecrating our life to God that you will receive kingdom orders for your assignment So verse 2 in Acts chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work, say "the the work, to which I've called them. You have been called to a work and my responsibility is to help prepare you for that work. The responsibility and the assignment upon uh, Antioch church is to establish you in your sonship so that you can be prepared to be prepared for the assignment of God in the kingdom that God has put you on the earth for. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. I'm going to speak to our, our young folk here for a few minutes. There is always a setting apart process for the kingdom assignment that God has for us. I hear a lot of young students, actually they're not students, they're just young people who say, well, I just wanna go and I just wanna give my life for God in the nations. Let me just speak into that here for a second because I admire that and I commend that and we are a house that will raise, up, has been raising up and will raise up many, many more teams to go to the nations. But did you know that the majority of the greatest missionaries of the missionary movement were all scholars? Jim Elliott, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, these were men and some of them women as well. These were people who were highly trained and they went through a process of being prepared to take the gospel. Do you think that learning how to translate a foreign language into, uh, uh, to to, to develop the Bible for their language just happens? It happens through a process. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. I'm calling them to a process. I am bringing them into a process of equipping so that they can be ready for their assignment. Whether it be formal education or whether it be another type of process that the Lord engages you in, what I want to say to you is do not skip the process. Do not take shortcuts in the process that God has for you in equipping you for your assignment. Your process involves being established in your identity. Your process involves uh, growing in your character. Your process also involves skill sets. Skill sets. And, And as we move forward into the future, there are many countries that we will not be able to go into under the guise of bringing the gospel. We'll have to get in there through MBAs and PhDs and EDDs, because they're not looking for our gospel the way that we have presented our gospel in the past. What they're looking for, in essence, is the kingdom of God as it manifests itself through education. What they're looking for is the kingdom of God through fruitful economics. What they're looking for is the kingdom of God as it comes through leaders who know how to lead in righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what the earth is crying out for. Sons and daughters who are equipped for their assignment. The word here, ergon, is also the word that we find in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Go there with me. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. I am praying this morning that God bring the spirit of revelation and just begin exploding in our hearts to understand that if we can raise up a people who know who they are as sons and daughters and who are equipped for their assignment in the kingdom, there's nothing that cannot be done. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good, say it with me, works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Same word, you were created for good works you were created for a kingdom assignment you were created to bring the kingdom through your vocation whatever that may be you were created to bring the order the rule the culture the value system of heaven itself into the earth through the unique vocation that god has given to you it is your assignment in the kingdom and my responsibility and the responsibility of this house is to establish you in your identity and to equip you for your assignment, your ergon, diakonon. The word there, diaconon simply means service. It's the word that is used from where we get the word deacon. It's actually the word in the Greek that is translated ministry. Some translations say to equip God's people for their work of ministry. But when we understand the kingdom, we understand that ministry is not relegated to this. When we understand the kingdom, we understand that our kingdom assignment of which we are being equipped and prepared for is actually out there. Kingdom officers, kingdom senators, what would the situation look like right now if we were to have a whole house full of kingdom congressmen and women? What would our economic system look like now if we had a whole army of kingdom economists who understood the principles and the concepts and the value system of heaven and were able to architect strategic plans to bring God's kingdom economy into the earth? Are you hearing me this morning? What would our justice system look like if our Supreme Court was filled with kingdom men and women? who understood how to judge and rule righteously, which was the first standard of those that Moses called to lead in the government structure of Israel. Judges who knew how to judge wisely, who knew how to not show partiality, who knew how to bring the wisdom of heaven into the conflicts and confrontations of the earth. Friends, I want you to know As we're taking this journey together, that your assignment is to partner with the corporate assignment to be established in your identity, your sonship, and to be equipped for your assignment. Now, let's just, let's just have some fun here, shall we? Let's look throughout the scriptures and let's see how this assignment is so clearly evident throughout all the scriptures. Go with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter one. I'm gonna take about 20 minutes and unpack some of this. Today is just it's just a foundationing day. Today is just a day of announcement to say, let's all begin looking at the same thing together. Let's all get our hearts and our vision in alignment. Let's all rally our faith around. I wanna be a greater son, and I wanna be equipped for my assignment in the kingdom in this hour. Genesis chapter one Verse 28, scripture says that God blessed them. He's speaking of the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, first man and first woman that were created. For those of you who are new to the faith, Genesis chapter one is the creation passages. I encourage you to read it. In the previous verses, God has just been creating the earth. It's incredible. And at the apex of his creation on day six, he creates man. Day seven, he takes a break, but he pulls man aside and he says, I need to bless you. I need to bless you in two specific things. Look with me if you would. He blessed them to be fruitful and multiply. This speaks to family. This speaks to their sonship. Do you know that you're blessed to be a son? You are blessed to be a daughter. You are blessed to belong. You are blessed to understand and to find your place in the family of God. It is in the place of your sonship that you discover the greatest blessing on your life. It is in the place of your daughterhood that you come alive with the reason why God puts you on the earth. Are you hearing me today? The first thing that God did was he blessed them in their identity. I bless you to be fruitful as a son. I bless you to multiply, multiply. You know what he was saying? He was saying, fill the earth with sons and daughters. Give me more sons and daughters on the earth. I bless that. You have my approval. You have my endorsement, but you have something else. You have my blessing, you have the supernatural residue of heaven and the empowerment of God upon you to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with sons and daughters who look like me. Sons and daughters look like God because sons and daughters are created in the image of God. I hear this all the time when people see my little son running around. They go, that looks like a little you. That looks like a letter. Looks just like you. And as a father, you just receive such pride and joy in that. And as we reproduce, both physically and spiritually, sons and daughters who look like God, God's heart is filled with pleasure and joy. But God's desire is not just to have a whole house full of sons and daughters who just stay in his house. You know, I'm at the season where my assignment is to establish my kid's identity and to prepare them for their assignment. Now, as a father, if my son and daughter, as much as I love them, and as much as they love me, and we are one big happy family, if at 40 years old, and please, no offense to those who are 40 years old and you're still staying in your parents' house, I understand that there's extenuating circumstances for this, but I am communicating a principle. If they reach a place of maturity and they are still in my household where they are not walking in their sonship and responsibility. See, as you grow and mature in the kingdom, you begin to understand something. Sonship implies responsibility couple nights ago as I was washing the dishes and just looking ahead and seeing that my wife here is going to be uh, birthing our children here very soon and life is going to get much more full and much more occupied. So I'm beginning to create systems now by which I am recruiting and employing my children into their responsibility. At four years old, my son, now when he finishes his, his dish, he takes it to the sink, he rinses it off, and he puts it inside the dishwasher. And and I got a little kickback the other night. We're finishing dinner, and I said, guys, I want you to come. And I heard this from my daughter. Uh. I said, that's fine. I said, listen, I want you to say this with me. Guys, say this with me. Say, sons and daughters have responsibility. That's great. I told them to say that, but it's, it's great that you said that too. So I just had them say that over and over. And now, every night, as we're as we're sitting down, I said, Hey listen, I want you to clean your room, we do this every day and tell me why sons and daughters have response. Sons and daughters have responsibility. Sons and daughters have responsibility. It's part of the mutual process of being in family. And let me just also say to you, as members of this family, you have responsibility. We'll talk about that later. Sons and daughters have responsibility. My son was in my uh, it's now a shared room. My son and daughter share a room now. They have bunk beds in there. We'll do that for a season till we normalize. Twins will be in one room. Son and daughter will be in another room. And he got a hold of Sissy's lip gloss because he sees Milan put lip gloss on and, and, and you know, they, these little lip smackers, they taste like all these exotic flavors mango and watermelon and and I I should really blame Joyce for this because she loads my daughter up with all these sweet tasting lip smacker lip glosses and 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 he proceeded to find this lip gloss and go into the room and she caught him and I heard this ruckus upstairs so I came around the corner pulled them down and and here is the culprit son did you put the lip gloss on shiny So, so after we gave the lesson about speaking the truth, and moms and dads, I want you to hear this. I, I said, son, does this belong to boys or girls? And I know this isn't politically incorrect, and I'm okay with that. And he said, this, this belongs to girls. I said, that's right. It belongs to girls. And I want you to celebrate your manhood. Say this with me, son. Say, say I celebrate my manhood. And he said that, he says, I celebrate my manhood. And then I said this, and I looked him right in the eye. I said, son, you are a man in training. And now I've got context for everything that I do. Do you know why I want you to wash the dishes, son? Not only because sons have responsibility, but because you are a man in training. You are a boy, but I'm not going to call you a boy. I'm going to call you a man who is in training. There is a man who is inside of you that is being groomed for an assignment in the earth. There is a man that you are supposed to be. There is a man that is part of your identity. You were not created a woman. You were created a man, and God has anointed you to be a man, and there is an assignment on your life uniquely as a man, and so the reason why I'm going to have you wash dishes is because you are a man in training, and one day you will have a wife who's pregnant who cannot wash dishes for you one day you will have children who cannot wash dishes for you and you are a man in training and men serve their families and so you must wash dishes now so that you can be prepared for an assignment later you are a man in training women you you are a woman of god in training and there all to be great pride and great privilege and great pleasure in your womanhood. You don't need to be like a man. And let me just shout this out too, if our men would be the men in training that God has created them to be, we wouldn't have women trying to be what men are supposed to be, I digress. <laughs> we have a responsibility the church, the church's responsibility is to prepare you as sons and daughters to be mature in your sonship so that you can bring the kingdom. Let me, let me connect some dots here. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8, verse 19. By the way, Romans chapter 8 is a brilliant chapter on sonship. Maybe at some point, theologically, we'll just break down Romans 6, 7, and 8 and, and show you how the culmination of what Paul was communicating there really was pointing everyone towards sonship. It'll be fun if, if we end up going that direction here in a few weeks. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, the Scripture says that all of the earth... The created order, the cosmos, the, the the earth that God loves. We need to understand this. When the scripture says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world, when God so for God so loved the cosmos, it is speaking of a very tangible created order. He loves everything about the world that he has created, including people. Now, from a dualistic standpoint, when I was younger than I am now, I read that verse thinking, oh, God so loves the world. It's just referring to the people. No, now that I understand the kingdom, I understand that God loves everything in the created order that he has created. God loves government and we should pray for government because God loves government, not necessarily the government that we've created, but the government that is in his eye as the original intent of the reflection of his kingdom order on the earth. You cannot have peace without government. Godly government brings the righteousness and the peace and the joy of God on the earth. When righteous rulers lead, the people rejoice. Why? Because the kingdom of God brings righteousness, peace, and joy. You cannot have joy without peace. You cannot have peace without order. You cannot have peace or joy without righteousness. And that's what the kingdom of God brings. Scripture says in Romans 8, 19, that all of the created order is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. Let's translate this. All of the earth is crying out, kingdom come! The the economic system of our nation is crying out, my God, will you send the sons and daughters to restore the economy to what it looks like in heaven? That's what that scripture is saying, church. They're saying, would you restore the government to God's kingdom order? But here is something that you must understand. Only sons and daughters can bring the kingdom. Only sons and daughters of the king can bring the kingdom of God to the earth. There's five Greek words for child. I'm not gonna go into all of those this morning. What you need to know is that the fifth word And the final word, and keep that verse up there for me, if you would, please. Thank you for doing that, by the way. The fifth word and the final word for child in the Greek is a word called huios. Huios. It means mature. It means fully mature. So what the scripture here is saying is that the created order, the education system, Talk about that. We'll talk about the education system. The education system is crying out Would you send us the huyas of God? The fully mature sons and daughters who know how to bring the kingdom into this environment. This is so important. This is so important, especially for our young ones. Our college students, this is so important for fathers and mothers to understand this. This gives us the understanding of what you're doing as moms and dads. You are establishing your children in their identity of sonship so that you can raise them to maturity so that they can be prepared and equipped to bring the kingdom to their unique field of service in the earth. That is your responsibility as a mom and dad. That is my responsibility as the senior leader. That is our responsibility as a corporate body in this house, Antioch exists to awaken you to your identity and to equip you for your assignment in the kingdom. The created order is crying out for the fully mature sons. The fully mature sons. In the weeks to come, when we'll talk about maturity because Ephesians 4.13 goes into that and calls us to maturity. A few weeks ago, we received an email. That email was from a man who chose to, leave the church, leave the house. And, and when we responded on the pastoral team, we responded and we said, tell us about that. The response very simply was, well, the services are too long and, and I'm afraid that I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my son because the services are too long. That same week, I received a text message from a friend of mine. That text message is from a family that drives an hour and 15 minutes one way every week to come to service. And this is what the text message said. It said, Jade, I so love you and so appreciate what the Lord is doing here in this house. It says, I have just spent my drive home telling and teaching my son why we drive an hour every week to come to this church. That, my friends, is called maturity. Maturity. That, my friends, is called maturity. Because when you understand that as a son and a daughter, you have been placed in a family to be trained for an assignment, I don't know about you, but I will pay money and I will make sacrifices for those who can equip me in a way that others can't. And that's what this man and his family were saying. They were saying, everywhere that we look in Denver, we're not hearing the sound of sonship in the kingdom like we hear it at Antioch. And so, our assignment to be established in our sonship and equipped for our kingdom assignment is worth us driving an hour and a half, one way, every week to be here. Hear me. You'll never grow to maturity by treating the church like a foster care system. My children would never grow to a place of maturity if they went from a different family to a different family every six months or every year, or especially when they hear something that daddy says that they don't want to do. I want you to wash the dishes. I don't want to wash the dishes. I'm going to go to another family. Listen, they'll never reach maturity. They'll never be established in their sonship, and they'll never be fully equipped for their assignment when we treat families of God and training grounds of God like a foster care system. The reason why the church is filled with orphans is because we treat the church like a foster care system and assume that we can leave whenever we want. Now, that's dangerous language, I understand, in today's culture, especially with all the spiritual abuse that has gone on. But hear by the Spirit and listen to what the Word of God is saying. Listen to what the Word of God is saying. Our assignment is to establish you in your sonship so that you can be fully equipped for your assignment We see it in the beginning. God blessed them to be fruitful and multiply, identity. And in Genesis 128, he says he blessed them to subdue the earth and to rule it. That's called assignment for the kingdom. It was in the beginning. It's in the end. And it's everywhere in between. A few weeks ago, I was meditating on Psalm 93, verse 1. Psalm 93, verse 1, and I was just spending some personal time with the Lord, communing with the Lord, meditating on the Psalms, and this this verse was one of the verses that I was meditating on. We have it on there. Uh, Psalm 93, verse 1, Ethan, if we could. The Scripture says that God is robed in majesty, and he is armed with strength. And I just began meditating on that verse over and over. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty, and he is armed with strength. I just chewed on that, and I just worshiped the Lord, and I said, God, you are robed in majesty. And then revelation came, and I realized you are robed in majesty. That is who you are as king, and you have called me to be a generation of a royal priesthood. So, so I am royal because you're royal. Because I'm a son, I'm royal because you're royal and your royalty establishes me in my identity. But you're not just robed in majesty, you're also armed with strength. So not only is he a king in his identity, but he is also armed with strength for a kingdom assignment. Are you hearing this? What is the foundation of God's throne? Righteousness, identity, and justice, assignment. The foundation of God's throne, righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In your sonship, you will find righteousness. But the foundation of his throne is also justice, bringing his kingdom to the earth. Are you hearing me this morning? You are here. God has joined you to this house for a very clear assignment to be established or awakened in your identity of sonship so that you can be equipped for your assignment in the kingdom. And if we do that well, and everything that we are doing is towards that end. From the children, to the youth, to Nexus, to missions, to outreach locally, to life groups. Everything is around the end of establishing in your sonship and, and equipping you for your assignment in the kingdom. Here's what will happen. You will become deployable. Bad already. Deployable. Say deployable. deployable. Say, I want to be deployable. You being deployable rests on your growth and your sonship and your assignment in the kingdom. So when people come and they say, I want you to bless this ministry that I'm doing. God has given me this incredible vision. Well, we've got an incredible lens through which to help you. And our questions very simply are, how are you in your sonship? Because that affects your leadership. It affects your relationship. It affects how you interact with the people in your body. It affects everything. And how equipped are you for your assignment? Sonship implies submission and surrender. Sonship implies an understanding of authority so that you can walk in authority, so that you can exercise God's authority through the skill sets that he's given to you that you've been diligently practicing so that you can be deployable to bring the kingdom to the earth. The earth is crying out for fully mature sons submitted to the Father and spiritual authority, equipped through a process to bring the kingdom to the earth. That is why Antioch exists. That is what you are being called to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Altar team, if you would please come and get in position. We thank you this morning that you have not only preserved this house you have postured and positioned and prepared this house for our purpose of establishing sons and daughters in the earth and for equipping them unto their unique assignment in the kingdom father we sign up again we say yes we say yes father we want to grow as sons and daughters we want to be fully mature sons and daughters We don't want to be technon. We don't want to be little kids. We don't want to be little babies. We don't want to be children that need to be fed, although we have to go through that process. We want to be fully mature sons and daughters that see with the perspective of our king and his kingdom. Jesus, you are the revelation of sonship and you are the revelation of the kingdom. And this day, God, we say we want to grow in our revelation of Jesus the Son and Jesus the King so that your kingdom could fully come through our hands, through our creativity, through our words, through our creations, through what we produce as sons and daughters. So this day, Father, I pray a blessing. Lord, I pray the spirit of revelation upon every single one of us that something of your spirit today would have ignited and illuminated and awakened something inside of us that says, I am signing up to deepen my development of sonship, to be more consistent and disciplined in my preparation for my assignment in the kingdom. God, I pray that you just mess with us all throughout this week. Father, I pray that you would secure greater covenantal commitment to the king and every single one of us that you would raise up a fully mature army of sons and daughters prepared to bring your kingdom to the earth i bless you church proud of you love you so dearly so grateful so grateful for you so grateful for what god is doing in you i believe in you It is my absolute joy to pray for you to rally around who you are, sons and daughters equipped for your assignment in the kingdom. Don't give up on your assignment. Stay in your training yoke.